0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 26, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. A change in how the International Panel on Climate Change evaluates its own data indicates that the gloom and doom scenarios associated with climate change may appear worse than before. Cato Institute senior fellow Jerry Taylor says that while science is very good at giving us raw data to evaluate, it should leave the cost-benefit analysis to other disciplines.
1: Well, the change would have the IPCC consider the possibility of uh, speculative risks that have great impact. For instance, what might happen if the jet stream were to shift or even shut down altogether. Now, of course, we don't even know how the jet stream works, much less whether climate change would have any impact on it whatsoever. But it's plausible that a change in climate could have some impact on the jet stream. Now, up to this point, uh, the IPCC has not spent a great deal of time incorporating those considerations in its scientific reports, nor have economists who have looked at climate change gone to any great extent to try to figure out how to account for these uh, low probability, high impact events, uh, because they are low probability, but they are possible. But if you start including those sorts of things in your calculations about what public policy ought to be towards climate change, you're going to weight the, uh, the, ca- the, uh, the discussion heavily in the direction of doing something about uh, temperature increases. Now, that's reasonable enough on its face, but that ra- raises the question, how do you feel about the Bush foreign policy? Because George Bush's foreign policy is all about heading off low, low probability but high risk uh, or high impact events. So, for instance, there was a worry that Saddam Hussein was close to getting a nuclear weapon or some sort of weapon of mass destruction. If he ever got that, there was a chance that he could then proliferate and be used against us. So, should we act or not? Well, if you're worried about, if you think that we ought to act against uh, uh, high-impact, low-probability events in climate change, why shouldn't we do it in foreign policy? The people who would argue that we ought to do it in environmental affairs would probably have a conniption if you said that they were endorsing what is, at essence, the Bush foreign policy, except in a different discipline. Because, after all if we are going to act in that manner we not only would uh, take we not only could justify the war in Iraq we could bounce rubble in Pakistan there's a chance that islamic fundamentalists are going to take over that government and then have nuclear weaponry at their fingertips which could be used against the united states there's a chance but if you're, if you're not going to hedge against that risk, I'd say, one, you're not necessarily making an unwise or a foolhardy, a foolhardy decision. But it's not all that much different from a decision that we shouldn't worry tremendously or spend a lot of money trying to head off a speculative risk like an impact on the jet stream because of increased temperature.
0: Don't scientists in general, though, of any discipline, have a bias toward their own work and their own research?
1: Well, sure, but there's a limit to what scientists can tell us. I mean, right now, scientists are essentially moving out of field. What scientists can do is they can give us their best judgment about what happens if temperatures go up to this or that extent in other words they can perhaps they can come to some sort of agreement that based on everything we know uh, it looks like sea level rise might be about a foot over the next century and temperatures might increase by about four and a half degrees Fahrenheit or something like that with a doubling of co2 whatever that whatever the numbers might be they can give you the raw information necessary to do calculations but they scarcely can settle any discussion whatsoever. In other words if if the IPCC comes along and says well we think sea level rise, will probably be about a foot over the next century. What does that mean to me? I don't know. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Is that costly to uh, mitigate? Is it not? Uh, Out of context, we don't know anything about that. It turns out that we had about a foot level worth of sea level rise over the last century, and scarcely anyone noticed. Uh, So scientists are in a position to provide the raw material. For us to make cost-benefit calculations and to decide about risks and how we might want to hedge against them. But they're in no position to lecture us about how best to address risk because their risk preferences, their willingness to pay to alleviate risks, their risk tolerances are no better than anybody else's. These are subjective matters. So it might very well be that a reasonable person says, yeah, you know, we probably should hedge against The risks of climate change in the future. But that's no more of a scientific calculation than the statement that we probably should hedge against the risk of Pakistan falling into the hands of Islamic fundamentalists. You don't need to be a scientist or a military expert to make a decision about how you feel about uh, sacrificing a lot today to head off the possibility of something even worse in the future, even if that possibility is relatively low.
0: What of the positive outcomes of certain scenarios of climate change? Is there a, a bias against including positive outcomes?
1: Well, there's not a there's, there's not a bias against mention. The IPCC mentions them. Uh, there's a possibility that, uh, cl- in fact, the IPCC mentions that there is still a possibility that climate change has nothing to do with industrial emissions of CO two. Uh, they think it's a small possibility. Uh, but they don't say that it's disappeared. It's about a 5% chance according to the IPCC, but it's still possible. Uh, And it's certainly possible that climate change will be very modest and won't have very much effect on temperature at all. The IPCC duly notes that in its reports. And its summary of the economics literature does note the fact that there are studies which argue, peer-reviewed studies done by credentialed economists in incredible places, that climate change should actually uh, present a net plus to the global economy. But for all of that, those sorts of statements get lost in sort of what I call climate porn. You know, the end of the world book of revelation stuff that uh, sells newspapers, that gets politicians elected, that generates headlines, that triggers research grants, and that gets scientists treated like global rock stars. But that's, that's just sort of normal. Uh, there's nothing particularly unusual about the uh, scientific debate that you don't find any other debate. I mean, most of the discussions, whether you're in the climate change debate or in foreign policy, is all about a dragon at the door about to destroy all of mankind unless politicians act now to save us and our children. Well, that's kind of a universal aspect of all kinds of politics.
0: Jerry Taylor is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. If you like the Cato Daily Podcast, please consider a subscription to Cato Audio, a monthly CD, or download including exclusive material from the Cato Institute. You can find out more at our website, cato.org.